Welcome to the Josh Blair Ministry Podcast, a podcast all about bringing inspiration and encouragement to your daily walk with Jesus. We pray the message you hear impacts you as you follow Christ. We're continuing our series, Praying Powerful Prayers, looking at the prayers of Jesus. We've covered the Lord's Prayer, over the last two weeks, we looked at Luke chapter 11, the Lord's Prayer, where the disciples come to Jesus and say, teach us how to pray. They don't go to him and say, teach us how to heal the sick or raise the dead, teach us how to prophesy. They don't go to him and ask those things. They say, teach us how to pray. And so if that was on the disciples' hearts, we want to know how to pray like you, then how many of you would, you, would agree that it's important that we would ask the same question from the Lord? Teach us how to pray. And we want to know how to pray powerful prayers. And so we looked over the last two weeks over the Lord's Prayer. This morning, we're going to be looking into another prayer of Jesus found in John chapter 17. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there to John chapter 17. Or if you have a smartphone with the Version Bible app, you can follow along there by clicking on the More tab, the bottom right-hand corner. It's three lines. Click on Events, and you'll find Hosanna Worship Center there, and you can follow along with us this morning. It has the notes and the message points with it. Not only are we going to be looking at the prayers of Jesus, but as we've been going through the last couple of weeks, we've been answering the questions of who, what, when, where, and why in relation to prayer. We looked at who, who do we pray to? We pray to the Father. What do we pray? We talked about that last week. And so this morning, we're answering, asking the question uh, of what, when, then we'll begin looking at when do we pray? When do we pray? Chapter 17 in the Gospel of John is actually sandwiched between, obviously, chapter 16 and chapter 18. That's not groundbreaking information. It's right in the middle there. But what's happening in that chapter, so chapter 16 is Jesus telling his disciples that he will be betrayed and that he'll suffer and die on the cross. Chapter 18 is when it happens. So chapter 17 is in between his prophecy and its fulfillment. Chapter 17 is the promise in between the promise and the possession of the promise. That's where chapter 17 finds us. And he's in the in-between in this chapter. And he prays this prayer in the in-between. And so as we go through and look at this prayer, we're going to continue to talk about the in-between. The in-between. We're answering the question, when do we pray? Then we're going to be answering the prayers that we pray in the in-between, between what has been spoken and what has been fulfilled. I have a question for you this morning. Have you ever found yourself in the in-between? You ever found yourself in between something? Something you were anticipating but yet not had received? The in-between? I'm going to, we'll go into that a little bit deeper later, but I want to begin to read John chapter 17, starting in verse 1, and learn what the Lord has to teach us about prayer, when we should pray. Before we do, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we honor you. We love you. We thank you that we get to be in this house this morning, gathered with the church, your people, our brothers and sisters, people who are seeking you, who desire to know more of you, to surrender more of their hearts to you, and those who have come to celebrate mothers, but we pray that we'd also encounter the Father. Lord, we love you, and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. 
John chapter 17, starting in verse 1, says this, When Jesus had spoken these things, talking about what he had said in chapter 16, that he would be betrayed and that there was going to be torture and punishment with, his, with him laying down his life. It says, After he had spoken these things, he lifted his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. In other words, lift me up so that I can lift you up. Since you have given him authority, speaking of himself, over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they, he's speaking of us now, know you, the only true God, and Jesus, the Christ, whom you have sent. So in this first verse, there's a lot to unpack. So let's do that this morning together. A few things that I want to point out as Jesus prays in the in-between. First, he asks the Father to glorify him, to give him glory so that he, in turn, can give God glory. I think it's interesting to me that in the in-between of life, in whatever capacity that we're in, whatever we're doing, our call is first to give glory to God. Would you agree? No matter what's happened or what will happen, as we are waiting, as we are in the in-between, we are... Our desire in life, our purpose in life, is to glorify God, to give Him glory, to give Him praise. And whatever glory and praise that we receive in this life isn't for us to keep, but it's to be turned around and given to God as glory as well. I think a lot of times we think of, of giving God glory, or when we are glorified, when we're lifted up, we turn around and give God glory. I think of like musicians and uh, athletes who like win championships and like, oh, glory to God, I want to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know what I mean? That's typically what we think about when we think of giving God glory. And I think sometimes we would maybe even ask ourselves, is it okay for me to pray that God would give me glory or give me success so that I could turn around and give God glory? I think this is a, a good answer to that. Jesus would say, yes, it's okay, but I want to remind you that the way that Jesus was glorified was through torture and pain on the cross. It wasn't, he wasn't living a glamorous life and then was like, I just want to take my father up in heaven. Peace, thank you for this Grammy. He didn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't like that. Glory comes in many shapes and forms. Not all glory is glamorous. And I think sometimes we think, well, if I reached a higher level of success, then I could tell people, Oh, Jesus is the one who did this for me. But, but Jesus in this passage of Scripture is actually reminding us that, that no matter what's going on in the in-between of life, it can all equal up to still glorify God. You don't have to be at the pinnacle of success. You don't have to have the record deals and the championships to grab a microphone and finally say, I give God all the glory. You can say even through the hardships and the turmoils of life, through the pain, the sorrow, and the disappointments of life, you can still say, but I still give God glory. My life may not equal up to what I want it to be. I have a desire, but I have not yet seen it fulfilled. But in the in-between, I can still give glory to God. My life can still equal up to something more than just what this world calls success. It's in the in-between that God calls us to give Him glory. And He will glorify you in the sense that He will give you opportunities to tell others about Him. 
regardless of your situation. There will, people, there will be people who come to know Jesus because of your pain, because of your sorrow, because of your disappointment, and they'll say to you, how are you still going? How have you not given up yet? Where is your help coming from? Where are you finding this joy even in the midst of the pain and the loss? And you can say, because of my Father who loves me, because of Jesus who saved me. I have a hope that is greater than the pain of today or the issues of tomorrow. I know the one who carries me and holds my tomorrow. And you can give him glory in the in-between. Amen? The first point I want to highlight to you is when we pray in the in-between, we give God glory. We give him glory. No matter what's going on in life, we recognize the goodness and the greatness of God. That's what giving God glory means. It means pointing to his greatness. You know, I think of uh, uh, the Sweet 16 and the, the, the uh, March Madness, and they always say the road to glory. It's a hard-fought road. It doesn't always work out. You don't know who's going to win. But finally, they go through it all, and they have reached the end, the pinnacle and they have reached the end of the road to glory. The road's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be smoothly paved. It's going to be hard fought. But in the end, it points to the greatness and the success of those who fought to achieve it. When we give God glory, we are pointing to His greatness and saying, He is great. He is powerful. He's wonderful. He's loving. And that's how we give glory to God. That's what it means. The second part of this prayer that I want to examine in Jesus' words is what he says about eternal life. I think this is a big one for us, amen? As believers, we talk a lot about eternal life. Jesus says this in verses 2 and 3, since you have given him, talking, Jesus talks in third person here, which I think is pretty cool, because he's praying. He says, since you have given him, Jesus, authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they, that they speaking of us, know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus is explaining to us what eternal life is and how we receive it, even in the in-between of life. I asked you at the beginning of this message if there's any of us who have ever found ourselves in the in-between of things, what you had anticipated but yet not received. But can I, can I tell you that this entire life that we're living is the in-between. We are in the in-between. Let me explain. We were not there before creation, and yet the end has not come. So we are in the middle. Would you agree? We are in the middle of something. We are anticipating something great to come, but yet has not yet come. We are in the in-between of life. We are in between life, being born, and death. This life is the in-between. And God is saying to us in this prayer, Jesus is saying, I am the one who gives eternal life to those who are in the in-between. He begins to tell us in this prayer the secret to obtaining eternal life that is given from Him. And He tells us this. It is to know God, the only true God, the Father and His Son, Jesus. It is to know Him. To have eternal life is to know God and to know the one who He sent, Jesus But it's not just who you know, it's who knows you. Jesus says, I give eternal life to all those whom you have given me. 
He says it that way because he's trying to depict what it looks like to be in relationship with the Father. Relationship, to have a relationship with somebody, it, you, you, can, you can say you know somebody, but if they don't know you, you don't have a relationship, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I know that guy. I know, I know, uh, I know that guy. And then you're like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, I don't know who you are, right? And then you look like a fool. You're like, ah, he just don't remember me. He remembers me. He just, uh, he's just playing. We, that's how we play. You know, he's just messing with me right now. He knows, he knows my name, right? You don't have real relationship. We have that a lot of times with celebrities and athletes. Yeah, I know them. I know them. I know them so well. You're, some people even study the lives of celebrities, and they, they pretend that they know them, but they don't know them. There is no relationship. God, Jesus is saying to us that to have relationship, to have eternal life, you have to know me, but I also have to know you. I also have to know your heart, what's going on in your life. You have to be willing to open your heart and life up to me. That's how you have relationship, right, with somebody. You open up your life to them. You open up your heart to them. That's how you make friends. That's how you build relationships. That's how you get married one day. You open your heart to somebody. Someone opens their heart to you. You build relationship. Jesus actually says in Scripture where some came to him saying, Lord, Lord, did we not do these things in your name, cast out devils, heal the sick? He says, depart from me. I never knew you. I never knew you. It's not about who you know. It's also who knows you. Does God know you today? Have you given him your heart today? Have you opened up your life to him today? It's important not only who you know, but who, who knows you. I, I grew up here in Madeira at, starting at the age of 11. We had moved from the beautiful, beautiful uh, metroplex of Kermit. And we moved here. And I continued to go to school there, though. I, went, I finished middle school and high school in Kerman, and so I, don't, I didn't have a whole lot of connections here. I went to church here, went to, to YCC down the road, and I, I know some people, know some of you from there, but I didn't really have a whole lot of connections here in town. And there's, there's some people who, who know my dad uh, because of beekeeping and farmers, and people know him, but, but the person in our family that everybody knows, and she seems to know everybody else, is my mom. Everybody knows Janie. And if you don't know her, you will. You're going to want to know her. We can walk in. I, I remember we can walk into a store, and she'll know eight people immediately. It's just crazy. And they're like, hey, Janie, how are you? Everybody. They find out I'm a Blair. I'm doing something. Oh, your mom used to work at the bank. Every, she knows everybody. She has all the connections in the world. And they all know her. It's important who we know, but it's also important who knows us. And can I say something to the mothers on Mother's Day? The, the, the most important connection that you can give to your children is the connection you have with the Lord. Whether they, they're known around town because of who you know or what you've done, that does not matter as much as do they know the Lord that you serve? Do they know the one that your heart bows to? That's the most important connection that you could ever give your children. It's the most important connection. And when we pray in the in-between of life, the key is connection with God. The point, point number two that I want to share with you this morning is connection with God is key when we, play, when we are praying in the in-between of life. Jumping down to verse 7 in Jesus' prayer, 
he says this, because there is close personal relationship, his disciples are connected with him, and he is connected to them. He says this in verse 7, Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you have given, given me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. In the in-between, between the promise and the possession of the promise, when we pray, it's the Word of God that reveals the truth of Jesus to us. Jesus says it's, it's crucial that in the in-between of life, you are glorifying God with your life, how you live your life. It's crucial that you have intimate connection, personal relationship with the Lord, because we can call ourselves Christians all day long, but if we don't have a relationship with God, we are fooling ourselves. It's not about who we say we're connected to. Does God know us? And then he says, if you really want to know me, if you want to know that the words I'm speaking are true, look at the word. Read the word and let it reveal to you who Jesus is. Even in this prayer, he says, God the Father, I have shared my words that have come from you with them, and now they know. Are you questioning if you really know who Jesus is? Are you questioning if Jesus is the Son of God? He says, read the word and find out. Let the word of God open your eyes, enlighten your mind to know who Jesus is. That's what he says, now you know, now they know. And the word of God for us is open to us when we begin to seek him by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and he increases our understanding of the word of God. So our faith increases and our belief in Jesus increases. Do you feel like your faith is lacking this morning? Do you feel like you're having a rough go at it in life? And even when you read the Word of God, it doesn't make sense. Ask the Holy Spirit. Would you come, Holy Spirit? Maybe you don't even know what that's supposed to feel like or what it's supposed to look like. But if you would just say, Holy Spirit, I want to know this Word because I want to know the truth. Would you come and explain to me what this Word says? And He is more than willing to come and reveal Jesus because His job is to point us to Christ. And the word of God given to us so that we can know God and the spirit comes to enlighten us as we read it. So my third point for us this morning, when you pray, not only is it crucial to read the word, it's, it's crucial that we pray the word of God. And to pray the word of God means you have to get it in your heart. You have to know what it says. If you've never done that before, I would encourage you to pray through the Psalms. Open up the Psalms. And you can even read, uh, as David, the king of Israel, wrote it, his words, and you can pray those words over your life if your heart resonates with what's being written there on the pages. You can read it and begin to pray it. God, you are my shepherd, I shall not want. Right? Psalm 23. You can read through the Psalms and pray them. And as you do, your knowledge, your understanding of who Jesus is will be opened up to you. Because it's in his word. When you know his word, you can know him. I would encourage you to get the word down in your hearts. And moms and dads this morning, I would encourage you to read the word of God to your kids so that the truth of who Jesus is will be revealed to them. This is not an isolated individual relationship with Christ. This is a family 
This is a community relationship that we have with Jesus. And our responsibility is to make sure our kids know who Jesus is. And it comes through sitting down and reading the Word of God together. The last section I want to go through this morning as we come closely to a close. Not closed yet, but close. Verse 9 says this, I am praying for them. I am praying for them. Jesus is saying to the Father in front of his disciples, God, I, Father, I pray for my disciples. He says this, I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. Jesus makes a shift all of a sudden in this prayer because he recognizes that his time on earth is short. Initially when he came, the, John 3.16 says this, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Yes, everybody. Everybody knows that because of Tim Tebow, right? Everybody knows John 3.16. For God so loved the world. But now Jesus is saying, my work is almost completed. Now I don't pray for the world. I pray for the ones that belong to you that are in the world, which is us. He's speaking to us because he's about to give us the great commission to go into all the world, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's making a shift, and he knows that there's going to be something that will try to stop this great commissioning from happening. So he says, I'm not going to focus my prayer on the world because the solution to the world's problems is now in the world. It's called the church, and that's you and me together. And Jesus says, I don't pray for the world. I pray for those that, Father, you have given me, for they belong to you. And he recognizes, he's basically saying, I've done my part. I've taught them. I've kept them. I've walked with them. And now I'm going to the cross. I've done my part. Now it's their turn. Now it's their turn. Now it's your turn. Now it's my turn. This is a huge responsibility for us that we have in the in-between. To reach the world. Starting with our homes starting with our neighborhoods, starting with our schools, starting with our workplaces, starting anywhere and everywhere that we get an opportunity to show people the love of Christ. And the fact is that Jesus has not stopped praying for us, even to this day. For the last 2,000 plus years, the Bible tells us that He stands at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us, His people, praying that we would have strength, that we would have endurance, that we would have boldness. He's the one who pours out His Spirit upon us so that we're empowered to do the ministry of the gospel. Jesus is still praying for you. Jesus is still loving you. And if you call yourself a disciple, Jesus prays for you even more to be a light in the darkness. He says this in verse 11, For I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them. In your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Jesus is praying here, Father, keep them strong and keep them together. Because he knows that our purpose in the world will be fulfilled when we are together. Do you agree with that? That there's... I've said it before, I can, I can say it again, that there's strength in numbers. There's a reason why we gather together on Sundays. We, don't, we didn't have to do that. It was, it was something that we just decided to, 
do as a man-made thing. We're like, hey, y'all, you know what we should do? We should, we should build these buildings. We should call, call them the church, and we should all just try to gather on Sundays. And then we try to make people feel guilty if they don't show up on Sundays. That's a great idea, right? We didn't make this up. This is not some man-made institution. This is ordained by God. And he's saying, I want you to gather together because there's strength in numbers. And your life in the in-between of life has purpose. You're supposed to do something. You're supposed to do something so great, in fact, that I'm going to pray that God keeps you strong. And I'm going to pray that God keeps you together. Because when you're together and you're strong, you're stronger together. Amen. Am I preaching or am I not? Let me know. Give me a little hallelujah, amen, once in a while. Or sit down, be done. I'm all ready. Whatever you want to say. I'm ready to receive it. Don't say that, actually. You'll hurt my feelings. But we're stronger together. And I want to point out the last point here, point number four. When we pray together, when we pray in the in-between of life, between what we had desired and what yet has come, when we pray, we pray with purpose. We don't just throw up random prayers, generic prayers. No, we pray specific prayers. We pray prayers with purpose and intentionality. We pray the prayers of the heart of God over people's lives. We pray with purpose. We pray with a goal in mind. We pray with determination. We pray knowing that God holds us firmly in His hands. We pray knowing that we have a job to do. That's how we pray. We don't pray. If somebody needs healing, they're sick. We don't just pray, God, if you really want to, you know, if it's a whatever you want. No, no, we pray, God, heal in the name of Jesus. Because we know his heart is to have a people that are restored and whole. And we pray that way. We People that are needing, needing healing in, in their marriage, we're like, well, God, if you want their marriage to work out, we think it's a hot mess. But if you think it's okay, no. No, we say, God, we pray for unity in marriages. Amen. Because God doesn't want brokenness he wants unity when we when we're praying for relationships or praying for jobs we pray with intentionality with purpose we we pray that with, with the heart that God wants to bless his people so that we could in turn be a blessing he wants there to be some type of outpouring in our lives so that when people ask us why are you the way you are we can say because I serve a heavenly father who knows me and who loves me so we pray with purpose we believe that God is a God who still heals. We believe that God is a God who still speaks. He didn't all of a sudden turn mute. He's not all of a sudden blind. He sees us. He hears us. He sees you. He hears you. He knows your heart, even when you think no one else does. Even when you're silently in pain and feeling isolated, He still sees you. He still hears you. He still loves you. So we as a church, the hope of a dying and lost world, we pray with purpose. Because we're not just here to have a good time, which we are, but we're not just here to have a good time. We're here to point a world to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Do you know you have purpose today? You have a calling on your life today. And on this Mother's Day, the Lord wants to remind us that the most opportune time to pray, when do we pray? Is when we find ourselves in the in-between of life, which happens to be every day of this life. Every day we're still in the in-between. And that's the best day to pray. Every day. Turn to Him. Know Him. Know Him. For all of us, the moment to pray is always. In fact, Paul says, 
Pray continuously. Pray without ceasing. Commune with God. Praying is just talking to the Father and allowing Him to speak back to you. It's a conversation. When we pray in the in-between, we pray that our lives, no matter what, will give glory to God in the good times and the bad. We pray to build a close, intimate relationship with God. We pray that the Word of God would be, we pray the Word of God so that the, the truth of God would be, would be revealed to us in our hearts. And we pray with purpose because we carry a great responsibility as followers of Jesus. And these points this morning all relate back to when we pray, having this relationship with the Lord. And when we pray, it demonstrates our committed relationship to know Jesus. But if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, you can do that today. You have an opportunity to say, I want to know Jesus the way you speak about him. I want to know this Jesus who, who, who wants to know me personally, who wants to know my heart, and I can even know him in an intimate way, that he's not a God who's far away. He's not a God who's wanting to judge me or a God who's wanting to punish me. He's a God who loves me. He's a God who wants to sit with me. He's a God who wants to speak with me. If you want to know a God who's like that, if you want to know a Jesus who's not far away, who's very close, then you have an opportunity today to say, would you pray with me? I want to know that Jesus. So with every head bowed, every eye closed this morning, I want to give an opportunity to every person under the sound of my voice. If you've never given your heart to Jesus or you don't have a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus and you want to have that kind of relationship with Him, this morning is your opportunity. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand if you say, Pastor, I want Jesus. I want to know this Jesus the way you know Him. One, I believe He's speaking to our hearts this morning. Two, He wants to have relationship with you. Three, right now, would you raise your hand and say, pray for me, I want this relationship with Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I see your hand. Is there anyone else? We thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Would we all pray this prayer together? Would you say, Lord Jesus, today I surrender my life to you. Come, Holy Spirit. Touch my heart. Change me from the inside out. I surrender my life and turn to you. Would you forgive me of the way I've been living? Sinning against you. Living selfishly. Today, I declare, you are my God and I'll live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.